Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of The Beat. I'm Brendan Quinn here with Nick Baumgartner. Very special guest today. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the busier men in America, I would think. David <laughs> has Warlock. To, has to be. Has to be. Um, David, your official title is Director of Media Coordination and Stats. That's right. For the NCAA, right? Correct. Um, I feel like a lot falls under that umbrella, my man. Yeah. Known you for a few years. I don't know if that title <laughs> yeah. actually says what you do. So can you explain to some the, the listeners out there kind of what your uh, your your role is? I'm still trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> um, so I, I oversee a, a, a 13 person staff that works in championships at the NCAA. Um, so what we do is we handle all the day to day statistics for. 44 sports that, that includes men, women, division one, two, and three, and obviously a fourth division of football with FCS. Um, so we do all the statistics, uh, all the records, books, uh, player records, coaching records, any of those historical season career um, in game records. And then we, you know, we do the RPI for certain sports, the net for, men's and women's basketball, we're, we're responsible for updating that daily. So that's the stat side of it. And then the media side of it is we oversee, you know, media operations for all 90 championships. We're obviously not on site for all 90, but the ones that have a heavier media presence, roughly about two dozen, mostly obviously division one, but a couple of division two uh, championships as well. Uh, our staff is on site handling those media operations. Uh, so I oversee that staff. Me personally, uh, my main job is D1 men's basketball. Uh, so the media operations uh, for that. And um, I also dabble in football statistics in the fall. But um, that, that kind of sums it up in a nutshell. And you, you I would say, um, have – you're our main go-between in terms of you know, questions regarding the committee and questions regarding logistics of the tournament. So you are obviously working intimately with, you know, the, the infrastructure of the NCAA in terms of putting on these events. And then also the men's basketball selection committee um, in terms of just everything that people see uh, the, the inner workings of that. You are, you are probably as close to it as, as anyone out there. So uh, a great get, as we say this time mm-hmm. of year for, for an interview. <laughs> so we do appreciate you coming coming on i am i am drinking out of my 2019 final four in minneapolis coffee mug oh there you go and dreaming of holding a 2021 (laughs) coffee mug (laughs) so uh we're we're almost there before we kind of get into right the 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 logistics that we want to ask about um like david from from last year to today you know it's been really hard for a lot of people obviously um but, you know, for us in the corner of the world of college basketball, you know, losing last year's men's tournament was was jarring. And for you, I'm sure it knocked you straight on your back. And for us to be here on February 17th and, you know, kind of having this year's tournament within view, you know, how are you feeling and um, what has this kind of been like? Yeah, feeling optimistic. And it's, it's a credit to – all the teams out there um, who are, you know, doing everything they can to stay healthy and, and, and play games. And I think, you know, the, the men's basketball committee put out, um, you know, 
word that you know, they wanted every team to play at least 13 Division One games this year. We're at fewer than 40 tournament-eligible teams that have, have not reached 13 yet, so most of them have have accomplished that, and there's still a ways to go. And, and the ones who aren't, frankly, are, are very close to 13. So you're, you're feeling like you're, you're going to have a tournament. Uh, things are trending in the right direction. The planning is ongoing. Um, but then in the back of your mind, Brandon and Nick, you're thinking about yeah. the disappointment of yeah. last year, and, and, it, and it was jarring. Um, it, you know, it, it hurt everyone, you know, all the fans, all the coaches, uh, the media. Uh, from a staffing standpoint, you know, we're still feeling the ripple effects of that. Sure. Uh, we've lost, I think, as a direct result of that, we lost about 10% of our staff mm-hmm. at the end of the day. N- not, uh, it was all voluntary to be clear, but, um, you know, we had to, we have, we had to, and we, and we still have to, you know, cut budgets. And um, it, it's going to, it impacts my world and impacts our staff and you know, the media coordination statistics staff we talked about a moment ago you know we won't be traveling quite as much as, as we normally would um services to the media you know, like asap transcripts which i know are gold to to mm-hmm. writers and reporters yeah. out there you know we're going to be doing those on a, on a more limited basis this year you know things of that nature where it's just it just impacts every everything we do from an operation standpoint the main thing is you just don't want the participating teams to feel any of that and that right. we make this as good of an experience as possible. Obviously, with everything being you know, 67 games generally in one city, with 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 the addition, also the addition of Bloomington and West Lafayette for some first four and first round games, but and the fact that you know they'll they'll be you know a, a less social aspect of it for for the right. for the team that I think they're used to on their campuses anyway. But so from that standpoint, it'll be, it'll feel different. But um, in terms of uh, playing games maybe in you know less crowded arenas and whatnot but getting the games in I think is the important thing and and, you know we're certainly doing everything we can to get to that finish line. David you mentioned being optimistic and you know I'm looking at the calendar here and we're we're just about 11 months removed from you know sort of when all this almost to the day or all to the week anyway and I'm curious as the year went on and you guys you know you're focused with basketball but as you saw all the other sports sort of go through how long did it take to you for you to get to a place of saying, you know, you can say I'm optimistic we'll have a tournament, right? I assume that it took a minute and I, I'm, I'm kind of curious if it, you know, maybe even lingered into the start of the season or even, even too recently. It did, Nick. Um, you know, I'll be honest, when the, when the tournament was canceled and I rebooked my flight, you know, I was in New York for selection mm-hmm. and, you know, March 12th was the date um, that, you know, the date we'll never forget. Um, you know, we, we canceled the tournament and the next day I'm, you know, I'm flying, you know, home just kind of in a daze and in shock, wondering, you know, what's happening, you know, to the world. Not It, it was obviously right. a bigger thing than a basketball tournament. And uh, as big a sports fan as I am uh, for, for lots of sports, just seeing what was happening to um, – the NHL and the NBA in addition to what we were doing. And then, and then uh, I'm not a much of a golf fan, but just, you know, I obviously appreciate the enormity of the event of the masters and seeing that then the NFL draft and then the MLB season. And and you're just going, what in the world is going on? How long is this actually going to last? Did I think in March we'd still be having COVID conversations in February? No, I I did not, to be honest with you. Maybe that's just me being naive. Um, uh, about the pandemic yeah, yeah. 
but um, it definitely went on past the start of the season because you know you're you're we're starting the season late. You you had you know a whole conference opt out of that um, uh, of playing this year, and and so you know you you, you worry. It was your natural worries. Like, can we get to you know to March? And you know now, so like you said, here we are on February seventeenth. We're you know less than two weeks from from March, and then uh, the committee will be reporting soon after that. Uh, to Indy for selections and and you just hope things keep trending well and that um, once uh, a bracket is announced that you know teams remain healthy and you know we can get 67 games in. So today's February 17th, March 14th, Selection Sunday. Um, you know, <laughs> one of the interesting things about this year that I feel like it's probably going maybe – just will go unseen by your average fan is right. All these places, all these schools and you guys, um, there's been an order of how you do things for all of these years, right? Selection yeah. Sunday comes out, the bracket goes out, yeah. all these teams, everyone, you know, the Dobos know what they're doing. People know what they're doing. <laughs> well, this year, you know, between testing, between rules that it's going to take to travel to Indy, between everything else, like it's totally different. So like, let's start this off with this question. Selection Sunday, bracket comes out, right? What happens then <laughs> for, for, yeah. for these teams? You know what I mean? Get 67 teams to Indy, and that has to be coordinated so that you don't have 12 teams landing within an hour of each other because we're trying to keep the social thing. Um, so it, it, get them to Indy, you know, continue with the testing protocols, um, you know, t- Typically, we'd be starting the tournament on on the following Tuesday with the first four. That obviously is not happening. The first four, instead of over two nights, will be you know, all uh, two locations in one night on, on Thursday the 18th. And, and then you know, just you know, that Thursday, Brendan and Nick, I know I know you guys can appreciate this. This is as fans of the game and, and, and covering the game. That Thursday is just it's, it's a holiday. You're mad. It is. I mean, it, 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 you know, I'll tell you a quick story. I grew up in Germany because I was a military and we got games on armed forces network early in the tournament, but it would be like a, a first round game, a second Mm -hmm. round game. Mm -hmm. And then the coverage picked up as you you got to the sweet 16. When I was a a college freshman, finding out that (laughs) all the games were on television, yeah, that ESPN yeah. started its coverage at 11 a.m. Central uh, <laughs> with the college in Arkansas, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, I mean, it was just exactly Nick what you just said. It was a holiday. Yeah, I literally in the spring semester, last three years of the colleges of college, took courses at eight, nine, ten, or eight and nine thirty on Tuesday, Thursday, so that because I hated missing class, and I. And I literally would get the class, get all my classes out of the way early in the morning because after that, just leave me alone. I'm not <laughs> checked out for the next 12 hours watching games. And so um, to not have that Thursday, is, is it's going to be weird. Let's make it a one-year thing, though, and get it back to normal next year. But I still think looking at the new schedule, it'll it'll – you know, it'll it'll still be fine. And Thursday, Thursday, Friday becomes Friday, Saturday, and Saturday, right. Sunday becomes, um, you know, Sunday, Monday, and 
uh, for the second round. And then there's, you know, there's a, a bit of a longer break between the second round and the Sweet 16 with it starting on a Saturday. But I like the idea of Saturday Sweet 16 with each game getting its own broadcast window and you don't have to, you know, flip between the, the th- in a normal year, the Thursday night Sweet 16 games where you have two and the, you know, where the games are, you know, the seven o'clock hour and the nine o'clock hour staggered, of course. But just having an o- their own window will be, I think, you know, cool for the Sweet 16 participants and, and then the Elite Eight games on Monday night and Tuesday night, will, I think, you know, again, with their own windows in prime time, I think I think will be cool. It'll be different. It obviously takes some adjusting. But, yeah, I kind of look forward to getting back to a normal schedule. Yeah, that, that's that's going to be an event, that that Elite Eight. And just just so our listeners are clear, if, if for anyone hasn't followed some of this, so unlike normal years where people are used to that Thursday, Friday, like David's talking about, you know, this year will be Selection Sunday, the – first four games will take place that Thursday at Mackey arena and assembly, right? Correct. And then the first and second round games will then take place over the ensuing four days. So Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday will be the first and second rounds. Those are at places all over the Indianapolis area, right? You got like eight Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Right. And then sweet 16, the following Saturday, Sunday, elite eight, that Monday, Tuesday, final four as you would be used to. Um, So David, what's happening in Indy right now? Uh, Because the convention center, right? You're putting in 12 practice courts. You're getting all these hotel rooms ready. So each team can bring what? 34 people, 34. Yes. 34 people in a travel party, right? Everyone's getting, I believe there's their own hotel rooms. So, I mean, this is just a monster operation occurring within the Indianapolis. What does it look like right now on, on your end? Yeah, a, a lot of, you know, from a committee standpoint, the things I'm involved with, you know, there's just so many questions out there. Um, for example, related to conference tournaments and teams opting in. One. So the committee is focused on those operations. You know, the question keeps coming up. What are you going to do if – if a team is selected to the tournament and then, you know, prior to the tournament that they, there's a COVID outbreak with the multiple teams. What are you going to do if, if, it, if that happens after the tournament begins? And so we're still finalizing those contingency plans. The committee had good discussion about it last week. Um, the city, meanwhile, you know, the Indiana Sports Corp, all our hosts from the Horizon League, Ball State, IU, Purdue, Butler, um, IUPUI, they they're working tirelessly along with the men's basketball staff. And then the others like me who work on this championship um, just to, to get everything going, like all the hotel, each, each team is on its own floor. Um, we're mm. going to move the sweet 16 teams all to one hotel again on their own floor from me personally, just working on all the media availability, especially virtual coverage of this tournament because most people are going to have to cover this tournament virtually because there's no direct access, you know, to the players and coaches. So from your standpoint, gone are the breakout sessions, the open locker room sessions, you know, the, 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 just the press conference interview rooms, you know, where you can, you know, see multiple people on a dais at once. So all those type of operations, things are changing significantly this Mm -hmm. year. Um, You know, I'm biased because I, I, I've lived in Indy for nearly 20 years now, and um, but they they totally get it in terms of running big events. You know, I I continuously hear how media from fans who go to the final four every year how Indy is, 
you know, their favorite or certainly one of their favorites to have the tournament. It's, it's obviously going to look different with reduced media, reduced fans, no NABC convention. So, you know, coach spotting going all over downtown, but they're prepared to, to do this event and um, they'll do it quite well. Yeah, I was, I was, we were talking earlier, and I, I don't think, and you probably agree, David, I don't think there's another city, maybe Atlanta, that could maybe pull that off. I, I don't know. I mean, Indy does such a good job with everything else in the combine. You mentioned the fans. What, what's the uh, situation with, I mean, is this a families-only situation? Or are they going to open it up to, to fans to buy tickets, or is there a limited number, and, and how's that going to kind of go? Yeah, we'll definitely have, um, you know, player and coaches' families in attendance. Uh, optimistic that it's going to be, um, you know, more than that. Uh, we were hoping to have an announcement on that, you know, soon, and, and, and I still suspect it will be soon. Um, I, I think we're in the, the stages of, um, you know, dotting all the I's and crossing the T's, if you will, in, in terms of the, the, the final announcement. Um, but we'll have something soon, um, and, you know, we're optimistic, like I said, that we'll, we'll be able to have, you know, limited attendance in addition to the uh, player and coach, you know, guest. Yeah, Marion County Health Department told the Pacers, right, that they can have 25% capacity at their home game. Mm -hmm. So it does seem like that's sort of a almost line of demarcation of what's possible. Is that kind of fair to say? Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I mean, it's it's possible. I mean, now the that announcement is, I don't know exactly how old, but it's a few weeks old. And, mm -hmm. you know, the Pacers still, you know, have fans, you know, at their home games yet. You know, the Colts back in the fall – you know, had a number and then they actually decreased it during the season after there was a spike. And so, I mean, there's, you know, there's recommendations and then there's, you know, the, the application of, of what actually takes place. And, and sometimes, you know, that can vary. Now this, this technically won't be a bubble. I know you guys aren't calling it a bubble uh, because number one, there's a couple different spots before everybody gets to Indy, I guess, in general, but, you know, I believe controlled environment was the phrase that I, I saw used. How is that structure, I guess, it's, you know, going to operate, I guess, overall. I mean, is it, what's the difference maybe between this and maybe what we saw with the NBA did? Um, Cause I know, I don't, I saw there was a, not going to be a snitch line or anything like this. So I mean, right. people are going to be on the honor system, of course, right. but like sort of how's, how's that going to work? If you could walk us through that. Yeah. I think that, you know, the teams are, are going to be confined generally to, you know, the convention center where they'll practice, obviously the whatever competition venue their, their games get assigned to in their hotels and we're, we're going to try to make their experience at the hotel, you know, where they're not just trapped in a, you know, yeah. a room yeah. with four walls and a, you know, a bathroom and a television. You know, so we'll try to have, you know, social areas that are, you know, we'll, we'll have social distancing in that area where they can play video games or, um, you know, if they're, if the schools that are, you know, still in session, you know, have, have the opportunity to, to take care of their, their academics. And, um, you know, you know, a lot of schools will be on spring break, so that, that won't, won't be an issue, but you know, the, the dining area, the recreation area, just having things for them to do to, to pass time and, 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 and be entertained will, um, you know, or some of the operations things we're working on now. So in terms of the, uh, you know, the, the, the next few weeks and, and decisions that have to be made and things like that. Um, you mentioned fans, you know, what are some of the other things that you guys are, are, you know, kind of on the cusp of having to pull the trigger on in terms of either announcing decisions that have already been made or decisions that are yet to be made? Yeah, I think it's it, really, it's the, what are you going to do if um, mm -hmm. type yeah. Of announcement. Yeah, that, that's, 
that is, uh, you know, certainly, you know, on, on the forefront of, of, of what could be announced next along with, along with the, the, the attendance, those two things, um, you know, the rest of it is, is really just operational. From my standpoint, it, it is, it's putting together a media schedule that is based on the, on the practice availability so that teams can, you know, have media opportunities, you know, that we'll make so that there's access via Zoom to, to players and coaches on the off days as well as the post game. So we're just literally setting up hundreds of Zoom links uh, to get ready for the, the press conference. The press conferences will, you know, we can only have one person at a time. So what we'll, we'll probably do to expedite things is, is after the game ends, we'll send the coach from the losing team to their interview pod or room, if you will. And then at the same time, have a player from the winning team go to that team's pod. Mm-hmm. And they'll speak for 12 minutes and then we'll swap out. So the winning team's coach will replace uh, his player in their room and um, a player from the losing team will replace his coach uh, in, the, in their room. So just working out all those type of logistics and how that's going to work. Like I said, setting up all those Zoom links. Um, you know, the committee, I think their focus right now is is, is on selections. You know, sure. it, that hasn't changed. I mean, the charge is still uh, to select the best 37 this year instead of 36 at large to go with the 31 AQs and, and, you know, we worked hard on that last week and, and it resulted in the, the top 16 unveiling on Saturday. And, but, you know, uh, that can, ch- that can change with, with every passing day, but, you know, the committee, I think, you know, we're trying to keep them focused on, you know, monitoring the conferences for, for which they're primary or secondary monitors and, and it just make sure we're completely prepared for the selection process. The, the whole, what do you do if thing, obviously the, the number one is the nightmare scenario of, losing an entire team, right? Are you guys fairly comfortable at this point that, you know, within the testing procedures that are going to be put into place and, you know, that if it is one individual or two individuals, you can still, you know, it might not have to disqualify an entire team. Like where is that in, in the conversation right now? Yeah, I think, you know, we're doing everything we can so that, you know, if a player does test positive, it, it won't necessarily, you know, wipe out an entire team's ability to participate in the tournament. Um, what keeps us up at night, though, Brennan, is exactly what you just said, is that what if it's widespread in a team right. and, you know, we're about to play a Sweet 16 game and a team has to, you know, can no longer play. That'll be, you know, the, I don't know if that's the worst case scenario. Last year was the worst case scenario. We didn't have to But that's what keeps us up at night. And we want to make sure we're doing everything we can uh, to prevent that from happening. I mean, it's Dan Gavitt has said for months now, you know, the virus controls us, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to put protocols in place um, based on our observations and conversations with MLB, NHL, WNBA, NBA, um, so on and so forth, uh, CFP, of course. So we're going to we're going to take all the precautionary steps we can. It's obviously going to require buy-in, quite frankly, from right. the eight teams, but the operations people, the game officials, everyone who will be you know in and around um, the court. And you know we're we're going to take our take our best shot at this, and 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 just 
if it does get to the point where we have to, you know, lose a team, so to speak, we don't want it to be because of, of a lack of preparation. And you know, right. so that's what we're working on now. As a quick follow-up to that, is there a potential scenario that you could see um, in when the bracket's being built, right? If, you know, knock on wood, this is not even a conversation, but if there is a team that's not in position to be able to play that week, is there a scenario where the S line or S curve gets bumped up and one team just just slides up? Is could that could that pl- actually play out? I mean, d- during the selection process, you know, you know, if you know, if we get you know word from a team that they, they won't be able to participate, that obviously changes things and it looks much different than the brackets out now. What do you do? Right. So, um, you know, I can't get into the details, but you know, we're we're preparing for those various scenarios mm-hmm. and like I made a lot of progress last week with the committee and, and discussion. Um, so, you know, hopefully there, there's something out there, um, you know, that we can share, you know, in the near future. And, and you guys, David, it's seven straight days, every, you know, every person in a travel party, every member of the 34, whatever, seven straight days, they all have to test negative before they can even arrive. Is that correct? Like, so in theory, and if they're going to stay there, you know, for possibly for a whole month. I mean, in theory, you guys on the front end, you know, had your bases covered, it seems anyway. Yes, you hope so. Like I said, you're doing, doing everything you can to, yeah. you know, to, to reduce, if you can't eliminate it, because like I said, the virus is in control here, mm-hmm. but to reduce the chances of something like that happening, you know, then, then we're going to take those steps. Let, let's get into some committee stuff. Um, so metrics, of course, can't account for pauses that teams go through, right? And it's everything that kind of goes into that. How, how do you kind of see, um, especially that aspect of it, teams that had pauses, right? So they either had fewer games or teams that, you know, you can account for certain types of performances coming off of pauses, right? Um, you know, how... How do you kind of see the committee batting that very unique scenario around? Um, you know, I, I think I think it's um, fair to say that they're going to look at teams that have that have been on a pause mm-hmm. uh, and see how they responded to that. Um, you know, you could you could learn a lot from you know what you saw in Michigan um, on on Sunday. I mean, I. Personally, I watched the first half and, and I thought, I mean, yeah. for one, they're playing in Madison, which, you know, in a normal year is, is never a, an easy chore anyway. But you could just tell they weren't quite themselves. Um, and then the second half, you know, especially after the first few minutes of the second half, it was a credit to their team just how gritty they were. And, and, mm. and they just, just, I don't know, I, I guess the, the word that comes to mind is they sort of just stalk the Badgers and it was like we're creeping closer, closer, closer. And you're just looking at the clock and, and, you know, and then in the last segment of that game, they just finally caught them, passed them and, and you know, took control of the game. And it was just like, man, that was just a really good win on the road against a good team, especially when rust was a factor. Other teams have had similar success and other teams, you know, have, have not. But I think what the committee is going to do is evaluate the games played and keep it to the bare basics that, you know, who'd you play, where'd you play and how'd you do. And, you know, you have to demonstrate an ability to beat quality teams um, to make this tournament. And 
Um, the metrics certainly help in that regard. The net we feel is, is working terrifically and, and is, is a significant improvement from, from the RPI. But there's other metrics out there too um, on the team sheet and, and others that, you know, the, that I certainly reference and, and, and um, you know, make sure it's brought to the committee's attention if there's, if there's something um, that's not on the team sheet that, that's worth sharing. Um, so it's, it's uh, the committee is, is, is focused on, on what I just said. And, and that is, you know, especially since it looks like the vast majority of teams are going to play something close to a normal schedule, right. certainly a reduction in um, non-conference games. And certainly, you know, the conference schedule, you know, might be a little strange this year in, in terms of who you played once, who you played twice. Um, maybe you don't play teams in your own league at all because of, you know, pauses and, and, and cancellations. But um, I think there's enough data out there for the committee to make informed decisions. And, and if a team decides, and I know, I'm not sure if we brought this up yet, but if a team decides, I don't know if it'll happen, that they don't want to play in their conference tournament or they opt out or for whatever reason, is that is that something that you guys just sort of carry through and say, okay, they're they're not in the tournament in their own conference tournament, but that, but that AQ bid would still carry whoever wins that tournament? Or, or how would you guys juggle that? Is that sort of just go as is, or is there a difference there? Yeah, the, you know, the committee, you know, put out a statement last week on the men's and women's side, you know, just strongly encouraging any tournament eligible team that qualifies for their conference tournament to, to participate uh, in their league tournament as they normally would. I mean, it's not under the NCAA's purview to, to require that to happen. I know, yeah. uh, you know, if you go to Twitter, you'll see a lot of people – you know, why isn't the NCAA forcing, you know, conferences hands in this? And it's, that's not up for the NCAA to decide. So um, the committee, you know, decided to put that statement out. Um, personally, I think most teams yeah. if not all, are going to participate. I don't think this will be, you know, a major issue. Um, I certainly hope it's not in it, as does the committee. Um, but if it does happen, then, you know, it, the committee's just going to have to go with with the, the data that's there, and so if there's a if there's a, a team that's um, you know a strong at large team and they decide to back out and not participate in the conference tournament, they can't be penalized for it, and they won't be penalized for it. Um, but it does open the door, obviously, for other teams to to get that AQ because their path gets a little bit easier with that team's. What do you think uh, the conversation is going to look like around road games? Think it's going to be typical, or or will it maybe be accounted for that they're not true road games? Yeah, I, I think you know the they certainly the, they being the committee recognizes that you know the the, the data is right there in front of them, and that right. you know, teams are generally win at about sixty eight percent clip uh, on the road. If you look at you know ten or so years of data, and this year it's it's dropping every week, and now it's you know it's in the mid sixties, um, which makes sense because conference games are, um, you know, that percentage is lower, but this year's conference games winning percentage is around 57%. So it's, it's, it's dipping lower too. And so I think that will be factored, but look, the team still has to travel. They, yep. they still have to you know, do all those normal things, be on the road. Um, you know, maybe teams are taking more buses than they normally would. And, and so it's, it's still difficult um, to win on the road. And if, if you do it at, 
against a high quality team, you'll, you'll be rewarded for that. But um, I still think, I know road performance is still one of the, the factors that the committee reviews. Will it be um, judged differently than, than in a normal year remains to be seen, but I suspect, you know, that will all be considered that being the, the road performance um, for, for the entirety of the season will be considered come selection week. In terms of the committee itself, um, you know, you guys have had your way of doing things, right? Put the stick everyone in a room. Yeah. Tell them to come out with a bracket five days later or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, imagine things are a little different now. What, what's what, how does that kind of going to go down this year? Yeah. Last week we had our selection orientation meeting, which at that meeting we always set up the room just as it will look like, even though we're in a different room. Well, this year we used the grand ballroom at, at the, at the NCAA headquarters mm-hmm. for this meeting and we, we had socially distanced and the room was just big. We were all spread out. We had to have microphones. So you someone on one end of the room here. <laughs> wow. Wow. We all, we all wore our mask. It was the longest I've worn a mask in a single day, to be quite honest, because I'm mostly home. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'll go to my kids' sporting events and, and wear the mask for 45 minutes while my sons play a basketball game. But just wearing it for hours, I mean, I, I found – to be not challenging is a strong word, but it was, it was, it felt different. Um, but we're going to do that at, at the JW Marriott, you know, next month is, is that we'll be in a larger room than normal, you know, spread out. Um, you know, we'll have the, the, I'm forgetting what they're called, the, the devices to tell us if we're spending, uh, you know, if you're too close to someone. Oh, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all that's being, uh, and the committee and, and, the, and the, the four of us in the room with the committee will, will be tested, um, you know, to make sure we're, we're all um, healthy and, and staying safe. So, you know, we are taking those precautions uh, into the mix and it's different. It's certainly not as intimate, but um, it, it's, it's obviously necessary. How are you going to feel when that first ball tips off? I got to, I got to know. Uh, for first four. Whatever first game, first game. <laughs> the first yeah, one goes they, up. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was November twenty fifth was was a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first conference tournament that yeah. that starts, you know, here in a couple of weeks, will feel great. Uh, when the first four tips off, you know, in Bloomington and West Lafayette, I, it, I think it'll be exhilarating. Um, yeah, yeah. This this tournament, I mean, it's easy to say this because. You know, it's my job uh, to help run this tournament. But this tournament has meant everything to me since since I'm a small kid. I mean, yeah, uh, like literally, some of my first memories living in upstate New York and being not quite five years old was why is everyone so excited on the news? And it was because uh, I was in Central New York and Syracuse had made the 1975 Final Four, mm-hmm. and that. I can remember that and then bird and Matt, and like i said growing up in germany and just watching that tournament um and watching the national championship in the middle of the night because of the time difference there <laughs> it was just like no big deal to me it was like absolutely i'm making i told you the story about being in college and i didn't go on spring break in college because spring, spring break fell during the tournament i'm not <laughs> yeah same here my man <laughs> <laughs> um, my and I'll, I'll tell another story um mm-hmm. My wife and I were 
we're planning a summer wedding like any good SID would do because there you uh, go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but then my dad was still active duty and he, he said, you know, I got news for you. I'm being sent to Korea and leaving in the spring. So we moved our wedding up to April and my wife said, yeah. you know, what do you think? And this was 1994. We got married. And, and I'm living in Arkansas at the time. So, oh, oh wow. <laughs> so, so my wife says, well, what do you think about April 2nd? And I said, I'm not getting married on April 2nd. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, that's the day of the final four. You know, and she's like, seriously? And I'm like, yes, seriously. I said, for one thing, no one in my wedding party will come. Right. If, if Arkansas is in the final four, especially. Yeah, the and, real 40 minutes of hell would have been that <laughs> yeah, <ceremony. exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, It was like... <laughs> He was like, so we're going to set our wedding date around some basketball tournament. Our life is going to revolve around a basketball tournament. Little did you know that our life literally revolved <laughs> around a basketball tournament all the years later. So my wedding anniversary is nice. <laughs> there you go. At least it's you awesome. set the level of expectation right from the jump. No pun intended. <laughs> exactly. exactly right. So, uh, so the point to all that rambling and probably uninteresting <laughs> was – this tournament just means everything to me as a fan, first and foremost, you know, the, the job is a dream come true. Um, you know, and I know my colleagues and I, and certainly the men's basketball community are going to do everything we can to, to make sure it goes off in, in the best manner possible and everyone stays healthy and fingers crossed that, you know, that we can achieve that. All right. Very good. Do you have anything else here, Nick? All set. All good. All right. Well, uh, before we let you go, you've mentioned a few times that you kind of think that there's obviously there's a lot to be put out there, right? In terms of what we're everything from fans to opt out policies to blah, blah, blah. Do you have any kind of working timeline on what's this, what this is actually going to look like here in the next couple of weeks in terms of who knows what and when? Uh, I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Not specifically at this time. I mean, mean, I'm I'm waiting. Uh, I'll probably. You know, as soon as this concludes, check my email to see if there's an update, uh, especially in the fan attendance, because, you know, I, yeah. I think it could be soon. But like I said, there could be some other factors that are holding that up. And I suspect that's the case. So, you know, like like I said earlier, we have to you know make sure you know that we're aligned with with several different people internally and externally before we can you know make that announcement, because it's obviously something you want to get right. And um you know, so it, it's it's February seventeenth, so it's easy to say soon because yeah, the, the tournament's going to be here soon. Uh, so a lot will be happening, and you know, we'll announce everything as soon as we can. Outstanding. Well, my friend, I hope to see you in a in, in Indy in some way, shape, or form. If if it's a wave across the street, whatever it may be, uh, I imagine you are very much in a tier one personnel, and I'll be a uh, I'll be a hanger on the last year at best. <laughs> What's the lowest tier? Get the lowest tier. <laughs> tier Z. Uh, tier tier uh, 17. <laughs> that, that's, that's the USBWA is just as that. Just tier, tier. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, this was great, David. I appreciate your time. No, it's probably tough to carve out. Now we're in the middle of the day, right at this time of year. So uh, it is very much appreciated. And hopefully the, uh, the listeners got something out of this. So um I hope that you really enjoyed it. Brandon, Nick, you you guys take care. You take care of yourself and everyone out there. Be sure to tip those bartenders and servers.